0: What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Baseball Connection. So we have a lot to talk about. Many of you have probably heard about the lockout that has begun in Major League Baseball. It's not a surprise. We knew it was coming. You know, everyone knew it was going to happen on December 1st when that deadline hit. But before we get into that, there were some deals that were struck just before that deadline because teams knew they had to get stuff done before this stalemate. So I will start with, With a couple signings for the Boston Red Sox. So, a lot of Red Sox news. So, they signed James Paxton. And then they went... I think I mentioned this actually already. But um, the details of the contract is that he's going to get $6 million in 2022. And then he has a $13 million option for 2023. But if that's declined, he'll get a $4 million player option. So... It's ten million dollars guaranteed. It's one year ten million dollars guaranteed. Regardless of what happens, he will get at least ten million dollars. He can get up to nineteen million dollars, but that would mean that he'd need that option to be picked up. So that's that's the you know financial um, you know detail behind the James Paxton signing. But they also signed Rich Hill, a one-year five million dollar guarantee with Rich Hill, who's coming back to Boston. You know, remarkably, if you look at it, you know, Rich Hill, is, he's been around for a minute, right? He's, he's in his 40s. But this is the seventh different contract he has signed with the Red Sox. I mean, he's had various stints with them. He suited up for the Red Sox in parts of four seasons. After pitching for Boston from 2010 to 2012, he returned for a late season stint in 2015. That was for four starts. And... Actually, you could say that that four-start stretch kicked off the remarkable late career renaissance he's put together over the last six years. We know much of it was done with the L.A. Dodgers. You know, so after he left the Red Sox, he got a rotation job in Oakland. And he continued to thrive with the A's and he landed with the Dodgers at the 2016 deadline. And, you know, he was he was money for them. Next three seasons in Dodger blue. And he's bounced between the Twins, Rays, and Mets over the past two years. So things are coming full circle for Rich Hill, he's returning to Boston for his age 42 season. It's going to be his 18th year with at least some major league action. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's a lot. You know, it's a testament to longevity and persistence. Um, I mean, and he's still pretty good when he's healthy. I mean, he does have these nagging injuries, but when he's healthy, this guy hasn't posted an ERA above four since his 2016 breakout. And this past season, he had a 386 ERA. That's the highest he's had since 2016. And this past season, he also shouldered his heaviest workload in 14 years. Between Tampa Bay and New York, he had 158 and two-thirds innings over 32 appearances. That's 31 starts. And that's top 50 league-wide in terms of innings pitched. So, yeah, I mean, Boston has now added three potential rotation arms on one-year guarantees this winter. That's Michael Waka, James Paxton, and now Rich Hill. So they're putting together a, a a bunch of guys that can fill out the back of their rotation. Um, nobody that jumps off the page, but we're getting some bodies, you know, getting some arms, guys who they can, they can throw out there in case injuries hit or, or COVID hits or whatever. So moving on, the Dodgers re-signed Chris Taylor. So he's going to stay in L.A. They re-signed him. It's a four-year contract, $60 million guaranteed. Chris Taylor... You know, he's he's like the best utility guy out there. You know, he's a free agent, and he's gonna stay in Dodger blue. You know the Dodgers lost a lot of players to free agency this winter, but Chris Taylor is gonna stay, and that's a good amount of money for this guy. I mean, an average of fifteen million dollars a year—that's uh, pretty good security for Chris Taylor. Uh, and he's come a long way, I'm, I'm sure, from from early in his career when he was just you know trying to crack a big league roster. Now he's. He's an everyday player. He's got a multi-year track record. At this point, you know everyone knows what to expect from him. I mean, he did kind of hit the free agent market on a down note because he had a rough second half this year. But we know that he's a good player. Uh, he had a monster postseason, which is what you know kind of put those those concerns to rest. Rough second half, but he came alive in the postseason. Obviously, we know that walk off shot he hit in a wildcard game, helping the Dodgers go to. Um, you know, the next round and then eventually to the NLCS. But um, as valuable as Taylor is offensively, he's actually probably well-known for his defense because he's a true utility player. I mean, he's been starting games at every position other than first base and catcher. Obviously, we don't care about pitcher, but, you know, yeah. So he spends most of his time up the middle of the field, and that's where there's higher value defensively, right? You know, Middle infield, center field. So he plays a lot of second base. He plays a lot of center field. So his returning to the Dodger lineup will give Dave Roberts plenty of flexibility. I mean, I don't know if I've heard of a utility infielder or a utility player making $15 million a year, but that's what Chris Taylor is going to make, and he deserves it. It just goes to show you how much the L.A. Dodgers need him, quite frankly. So congrats to Chris Taylor. Congrats to the Dodgers getting their guy. Marcus Stroman is signing with the Chicago Cubs. It's a three-year, $71 million contract. He hasn't opt out after the second season, but at the end of the day, it's three years, $71 million guaranteed. That's an average annual value of you know, about $23.7 million for Marcus Stroman. Pretty good. I mean, not, not a long deal. Um, it wasn't like a five-year deal or anything or a 9 figure deal, but it's it's good on the AAV terms. What Strowman's gonna have to do is continue to pitch well. He's not he didn't get a Robbie Ray or Kevin Gosman, you know, five years, you know, $110 million or anything like that. So he's gonna have to continue to pitch well for the next couple of years so he can get another contract. But obviously he's it's not like he's gonna be struggling with this. He's fine, he's set for life, but three years is a short amount of time. It's it's not even that much for the Cubs. It's like you even if it doesn't go well, they're gonna be washing their hands of it pretty soon. And if Strowman pitches really well in the first two years, you can opt out and, and, and try it again. But I mean, it, it's good for the Cubs because it means they're not going to be, I mean, Strowman's 30, so they're not going to be saddled with someone who's 34, 35, you know, if as if they would have if they gave him a five-year deal. He doesn't have the high-octane strikeout stuff like some of these other guys. He's a ground ball pitcher. He's a finesse pitcher. That's how he's thrived his entire career. It's, it's it's getting ground balls and command. So he's going to try to keep doing that. Uh, I think Strowman's a guy who's going to age well. You know, he's 30. He's still right in his prime. But his stuff, he's not relying on high-octane stuff. But his command, his command and, you know, that sinker ball, that's where he gets a lot of outs. So I think he'll continue to do well. It's a good deal for him, especially in the short term. So shout-out to Marcus Strowman. He is the newest member of the Chicago Cubs. So there was a trade that kind of came out of the blue yesterday, and and this one shocked me. The Brewers are acquiring Hunter Renfro from the Red Sox in exchange for Jackie Bradley Jr., two prospects who are infielders, David Hamilton and Alex Benelas. It's out of the blue. I mean, it, it was pulled off just minutes before the work stoppage. Hunter Renfro had a monster season for the Red Sox. I mean, when I say monster, I mean, it was just unexpected. I mean, they... Picked him up for a $3.1 million deal last winter. And he emerged. I mean, he wasn't even gonna be an everyday starter when the season started, and he just emerged as their primary right fielder. I mean, a five hundred and seventy-two plate appearances, he had two fifty-nine with thirty-one homers, and you know, he had a one fourteen weighted runs created plus. So fourteen percentage points above the league average. Obviously, we also saw him have some pretty remarkable outfield assists. I mean, Overall, he was considered league average when you look at defensive runs saved, but he was tied for the league lead with outfield assists assists. I mean, he's got a cannon of an arm and a very accurate arm. That's something I've always said. It's not necessarily the arm strength, the raw arm strength with Renfro, which he does have. That's not what really catches my eye. It's the accuracy of his throws. So Renfro is 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 a big addition to the Milwaukee Brewers it, it's a big bat this dude can really hit and and people are saying like oh Red Sox you know did a good job they they sold high on Hunter Renfro no Hunter Renfro has been a good player I mean if you look at his career numbers actually he averages like you know 30 plus game uh, sorry home runs and like 96 RBIs or so per 162 he's had these kind of numbers um but he just put it all together last year because he wasn't being platooned he was in in and, and Previous seasons, I know, especially with the Tampa Rays, they platooned him and hit him mostly against left handed pitching. I mean, it's possible he could be relegated to that role again, but this dude really does have pop in his bat, and I think that's gonna be a big addition to the Brewers lineup. The Brewers needed to improve the lineup. That's why they traded away Jackie Bradley Jr. JBJ struggled. He was arguably the worst hitter in all of baseball last year. It was I mean, he had a 34 OPS plus. It's it's shocking. How poor of a season JBJ had last year. It's 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 unbelievable. But the Red Sox get a familiar face. Maybe returning to Boston will put him in a familiar environment where he can he can bounce back to his app because we all know that he's not going to be someone that wows you with the bat, but the glove is the reason why he's there, and he give you you know just passable offense hopefully. But what I'm thinking now after after pondering it longer, I don't think the Red Sox are going to be happy with not happy. Maybe that's a that's not the word to use. But I don't think they're going to be content with Jackie Bradley Jr. as a starting center fielder for them. Maybe he's a bench piece, So maybe this could be signaling another move that the Red Sox want to make for another outfielder. You know, could they be bringing back Kyle Schwarber? You know, that's that's something to keep an eye on. But yeah, the Red Sox. Also got two prospects. That's what this is really about. It's not really about JBJ, it's about the two prospects. So the Red Sox make on, basically take on a more expensive contract in JBJ. I believe he's making somewhat he's north of ten. Like yeah, he's playing nine and a half million dollars uh you know this coming season. So it's it's a more expensive player, but they're getting two prospects in return. So Renfro is gonna make like he's he's projected to make about 7.6 million in arbitration for next year. JBJ is playing on nine and a half, so about $2 million. So, for about $2 million, the Red Sox go ahead and they get two prospects. And these prospects are, you know, the top in the Brewers organization. I mean, they're not like top 100 prospects in MLB, but this is just the Red Sox continuing to restock that farm system. That Red Sox farm system has gotten pretty darn good now over the past few years, ever since Haim Bloom. Bloom has come over. They have gotten really good. Remember, they had the number five pick in the draft this summer. They took Marcelo Meyer, a shortstop out of high school, who was considered by many actually to be the best player in the entire draft, and they got him at number five. So, Red Sox beef up their farm. I think that's what this is really about. Uh, you have you know you have a 21 year old and a 24 year old. You know both these guys are are um, infielders. One of them is, is a speedster who stole 52 bags. Last year in the minors, and the other one is is someone who just who can really hit. He he was a third round pick in last summer's draft. He was considered a first round talent entering his final season at Louisville, but he slumped in in his final college season. But he he did really well in in pro ball after he did get drafted. So Red Sox add those two guys, and who knows? Maybe they can he can they can flip one of these guys at the trade deadline next year for a major leaguer or something like that. So we'll see we'll see. But that was the deal that kind of just, you know, caught me off guard a little bit when I saw that. And last but not least, we talk about the lockout. So, Major League Baseball has officially instituted a lockout. The 2016 to 2021 collective bargaining agreement expired at 10:59 p.m. Central Time on December 1st. That's 11:59 p.m. Eastern. So it's long been clear that they were not going to reach a deal before that deadline. So because no agreement has been reached, the league's owners unanimous, unanimously voted to institute a lockout. And Commissioner Rob Manfred sent out a pre-prepared letter to baseball fans. And um, you're basically saying, you know, we, we've had challenges before. You know, it's it's a hard but important step. It doesn't necessarily mean games are going to be canceled. I mean the last time this happened was, you know, following the 1994 season. That's the last time baseball had something like this. Um, but it's just business, you know. You have the players association, they're bargaining for things. You have the owners bargaining for things. Um, you know, different rule changes, you're talking about something like universal DH, you're talking about expanded playoffs, you're talking about revenue sharing. It, it at the end of the day, Major League Baseball is a business. We we know the entertainment aspect of it, but people are making a livelihood by working in Major League Baseball, so that's what is going on behind the curtain. I don't think this is going to persist into the season. I think we're gonna have a very normal season next year. It's not gonna cancel any games or whatever, um, but we're just gonna have a pause in the action. But don't worry, Baseball Connection will continue to roll on. There might be a lockout, but Baseball Connection will not be. You know, we've done it. We we've been through. I mean, we we've been through the the pandemic shortened season. I mean, when we didn't even know we were having a a season in 2020 during the, the midst of the pandemic and Baseball Connection still go um, goes on. So we'll continue to do that here. And we have plenty of content on top for you guys. But that's going to do it for today. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who'd be interested. And we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.